I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now you're very welcome along to the Huddle Breakdown. We have a lot to talk about, so I'm just going to skip the intro and get straight to it. We have a 9-0 victory to talk about, a 4-1 League Cup victory to talk about, the Derby match coming up this Saturday to talk about, and the small matter of Real Madrid in the Champions League first night for Celtic on Tuesday night to talk about as well. As well as that, it's transfer deadline day and Celtic are signing a new centre defensive midfielder. So... Without further ado, Alan Morrison, Celtic by Numbers, and James are with me as always. Oh, it's a busy, busy time to be a Celtic fan these these days, guys. So where do we start? We'll start with the 9-0 win because, I, 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 if anything, that's probably the easiest game to look at because you don't really have to analyse a game that Celtic won by nine goals to nil too much. But one person that I wanted to talk about in this game was Kyogo because another hat-trick for him uh, this season. And he is absolutely flying. He's up to off to a flyer. He's scored now four consecutive games, the opening goal for Celtic. And Alan, this one is sort of weird for us because Kyogo disappeared off the foot of the earth for a while last season. And Giacomakis did such a good job in sort of filling his boots that we may have forgotten that Kyogo was like by far and away the best player in the league up until the point of his injury in the League Cup final last year. And it seems like we've got that player back at the start of the season. Uh, he's certainly the most efficient <laughs> in terms of, you know, he makes all of his contributions count. Um, yeah, listen, 9-0, where, where do you start with that? I mean, okay, so let's get the negatives out of the way. You have to say Dundee United were an absolute shambles. I, I mean... That. You know, they 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 were they were ripped apart by Altmar because they played three three forwards, none of whom can press, none of whom can defend, none of whom really were going to ever track back. That left a midfield that included uh, Craig Sibold that I can honestly say I can run faster than Craig Sibold. Uh, Levitt, who's a lovely footballer, but is never going to, you know, be, be a number six. And then Harks, who probably is the closest they've got to a box to box midfielder, trying to sort of defend acres of space. So, so that was just a disaster. And then they, they compromised a little bit. So they, they dropped one of the forwards and they brought in an extra sort of midfielder and they went five at the back. But then, so what they had then was they had two forwards who can't defend and won't pre- and didn't press. So immediately you're <laughs> defending with eight, eight players. Okay, so they're defending with eight players. That's all they've got to defend with. Um, and 
you know, the three of them in the middle are very, very compact. So they've completely surrendered the wings. Well, that's where Celtic want to get the ball and they want to get their players uh, one-on-one. That completely, of course, you know, freed up as well the central midfielders. And basically we just played between the lines of the of the five players at the back with, you know, devastating effect. Now, that's, that's the sort of negative, but, you know, turning to Celtic then. So what you're seeing here, again, is the culmination of a team that is becoming very uh, comfortable in its skin, playing the way its uh, manager wants them to play. Uh, who, who the players are becoming very used to each other. The, the little observation that my my lad, eldest lad, made, who's he's actually far more observant about football in real time than I am. I'm genuinely just watching it as a fan, and and he he keeps telling me things that I think, hell, <laughs> I don't really notice that to be honest. And the thing that he noticed that I thought was really interesting was he said they're absolutely firing the ball at each other. You know that they're pinging the ball at each other so fast, and he goes, and and, and we discussed it a bit, and I sort of agreed that that comes down to trust. It comes down to trust and understanding. You trust your teammate to receive the ball. You trust your teammate um, that's going to control it, and you trust that they're going to that you know, do the right thing with it. And 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 if you watch the game back, there are a number of occasions where Dundee United players think they're going to be able to intercept it, and they don't. Um, because we just zip it, we zipped it about with such pace. There was no tentativeness. There was no lack of confidence. There was a belief in each other and a belief in what they were trying to do. And that, that you cannot that that is a proper team. And 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 and, and it almost doesn't matter what level you play with. If you, if you if you've got that, then you you've got something quite special. And I think that's what we're seeing. So yes, accepting Dundee United were an absolute disaster and, and were set up completely wrong. But but the way that Celtic are playing now is with a degree of understanding and trust and belief in themselves that, that is quite special to watch. Yeah, just on that um, observation from your son, I remember I was chatting to Matt Doherty, who plays for Tottenham, um, Irish player, plays right back. He played for Wolves previously. And um, we're just chatting about the Wolves team in general and what it was like and how good the likes of Ruben Neves was and Joe Moutinho. And he said the one thing about Joe Moutinho was he would absolutely blast the ball at you. And it was up to you to take a good touch or not take a good touch. And if you didn't take a good touch, then you weren't good enough to get the ball off Jair Moutinho. So it's kind of the same as that, what you're saying, the trust that every player has for every player to be almost per, uh, pitch perfect with, with each pass, with each touch, everything needs to be in sync. And I guess that that's what is lost in a lot of analysis is that oh, Celtic scored nine goals, so therefore they're just brilliant. Whereas like, it takes a lot of time and effort in the background to make a team tick as much. And it sort of brings me in, into the, the second point I wanted to make on this uh, game, James, because we're going to talk further about the League Cup and about uh, the games to come. And that is Celtic have always been a dominant team. And I made this point on Twitter as well. Celtic have been a dominant team always in the, in the Scottish League. Since the moment they come in, they've been a dominant team. And in the last 10 years, 15 years, they've been the dominant team. But I can't remember in memory... Celtic being this dominant and this good at the same time. I can't remember them being this stylish and being as effective. And it's just scary how good they are at the minute. And I know we're only what, five games into the season, but God, they're really ticking at the minute. Yeah, so I, I think I, I can't even remember if it was online on a, when we were recording or offline uh, when Alan and I were chatting. But, um you know, we, we, I know on the show we've been discussing the uh, kind of calamitous setup for the rest of the league, given um, where Celtic and Rangers are in the Champions League, the financial resources and five sub rule 
Uh, and I think Alan and I actually discussed, again, I don't remember if it was on the show or not, that there's a pretty decent chance of the scenario where we score a record amount of goals this season. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do, and that would be a big number, obviously. <laughs> um, but uh, a lot of that has to do with the style of play that Ange deploys, how good of a coach he is, um, and really capitalizing on some of the inherent gaps that are there uh, because of the disparity in resources. So I, th I think a lot of that's structural uh, uh, because of how good Ange is and the advantages we have. Um, and just, you know, as we've talked about, as you as you stretch out that gap in quality of chances, the probabilities of dropping points become, you know, very, very low. Um, and you're going to get the kind of results that we got uh, on the weekend. Uh, actually, I, I looked through... Uh, now again, this only dates back to the seven, um, sorry, eighteen nineteen. So don't have stats bomb data back to the the invincible season, but um, that was the second highest XG based off stats bombs model. Uh, the highest since eighteen nineteen was last season in the six no against Dundee, um, which wasn't a team that quit. They were just a really bad team. <laughs> so I think Dundee United's a better team, but obviously with what's going on there in the last few weeks has some very specific issues um, around, uh, you know, uh, player effort and that kind of thing, downing tools. So, I mean, that's the kind of thing. I, I think we're going to get more of these five, nil, six, nil, seven, nil, um, just because the it's so skewed now. And I think part of what limited that last season, quite frankly, were the injuries and the lack of squad depth. Um, and, you know, our players, you know, as, as you guys would say, blowing out their arse. Is that what, how you would say it, <laughs> Alan? Um, so, you know, we're with the the depth that we've got now, raising the floor because of that, you know, I, I, there's just going to be a lot of um, teams domestically that get completely hammered and, and probably maybe not as bad as that, <laughs> um, but, you know, more on, on the line with, with that would not be surprising. Yeah, and the depth again was shown last night in Celtics 4-1 win against Ross County in the League Cup. Um, a game that Celtic made a whole host of changes and somehow Callum McGregor has still not gotten a rest. But <laughs> Celtic basically played their second team in this game. They had Giacomacchus up front, Abada came in to, to start the game. Maida was in. and We saw a glimpse of Haksabanovic, the new signing, who's come in from Ruben Kazan, another Ruben Kazan players soon to follow him and now shortly hopefully before the end of the transfer window it seems to be pretty much done at this point Celtic are really um, at the point where they're going to announce it we'll talk about Oliver Albilgaard later on in the show but in terms of the team that started you know you had Jens you had Stephen Welsh who I actually thought was uh, quite interesting in the way that he played and um, you had um, a couple of changes in midfield with Aaron Moy playing as the number six and I think that's where we should start with this uh, analysis in terms of the 4-1 win. Aaron Moy came in. We all thought he wasn't probably going to be fit enough at that point. I think he still probably isn't completely up to speed with what uh, the Ange system requires in terms of his pace and, and fitness levels. But, Alan, we're seeing a role here that I mentioned might be a role for him in this team, and that is almost the quarterback role. He was in line with our centre-backs quite, quite often, uh, during the game last night and just basically playing balls over the top of defenses. That's essentially his role is controlling the pace of the game, controlling where the ball goes and controlling how fast Celtic play. And I thought he did it really, really well last night. 
He, he did. So I, I was doing the um, the match coverage for Axon uh, last night, and I said on the pre-game, I said, I'm looking for two things from Moy. One is, you know, does his passing range is, is his passing range going to become a little bit more expansive, and does it hold up in a game where you know the opposition are fresh, they're going to be pressing hard, they're going to be closing him down, etc. And then second is, what's he going to be like on transition? What's his defensive coverage going to be like? Um, now, if you look at his passing, um, first of all, I think you're right. I mean, he 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 did he didn't dominate the ball, but he certainly got on the ball more than more than anybody else. I think uh, I've not got the full game stats yet, but he was probably uh, up there in terms of um, having as much of the ball as probably the centre backs. Uh, I think he's up to 54 passes, 90% complete. I've still got a few minutes of the game to capture. Um, not many pack passes, actually, only sort of three so far. So still a little bit conservative. Um, but what really impressed me, actually, was more the the defensive side. He's actually at 100% success rate on defensive actions. And his reading of and positioning, of reading of the game, and therefore his positioning play, uh, you know, uh, Against that level of opposition, it seems to me he can adequately compensate for his lack of physique, lack of pace, by being a you know a very intelligent football in terms of what positions he takes up. He was very rarely um, in front of the ball, very rarely. So even on even on the rare transition or the or the rare turnover, he's only been packed. Uh, I think I think it was seven times compared to say seventeen for Turnbull, who pushed up, played more as a ten. And then eleven for McGregor, who was more of a sort of box to box on on that game. So he didn't find himself wrong side of the ball an awful lot. So um, I still think I still agree with you. I don't think he's quite there yet in terms of full fitness. But this is someone who's going to offer a, a, an element of solidity uh, to that midfield and, and, and a bit of safety almost. So uh, in that regard, it's probably a good a good match. But the other thing is, I think there's a load more to come from him in terms of his passing range. I mean, we've seen glimpses of it. Uh, but I think it's only been glimpses. I think, um, you know, at Celtic Park, it, it, where there's more space, I think we'll see a more expansive game from him, which would be quite, quite, quite exciting to see, I think. Yeah, I think we're seeing one signature pass in particular. Uh, he played one over the top. It's like a looping pass that goes way, way up in the air and then drops down over the top of the defence. He did it in the Dundee United game as well. I think it was Abada's hat-trick goal, I think, might have yeah. led to that. It was over the top to Jota. He crossed it over to Abada. And then he did it again last night. It didn't come to anything. I think it came to a, a Giacomacchus chance where he put wide. But that's sort of what the range that we're looking at, what he's going to be playing. And I thought his positioning was interesting as well. I know you sort of alluded to it there, that he wasn't really in front of the ball much. If you watch how high Celtic were playing, he was almost a third defender. He was in the center between Welsh and Jens. And I think that's somewhere that you can see him thriving against teams like Ross County and, and domestically James. Um, I think Aaron Moy is going to grow into a role that's going to be quite important. And that's it's one that Ange Postacoglu said after the game about the squad depth and being able to use it, that he feels a lot more comfortable being able to rotate five, six, seven different positions for these midweek games now because he's got the players that he trusts to go in there now. Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously with my bias, I like your description of him as a quarterback. Um, <laughs> and I, I you know, I, I've used that analogy before, particularly when you're playing, in, you know, with just the one um, defensive midfielder central. That was one of 
you know, um, my concerns in the past when we haven't had an element of creativity there or really, you know, and we'll get into the discussion at, towards the end of the show on the new signing, but, um, you know, ha- having somebody in that central role to be able to spray the ball and to do it adeptly, I think there's a lot of value to that. Um, and particularly relative to these kinds of opponents where there's not a whole lot of risk in defensive transitions. Um, you know, again, we saw that with Ross County. You could see phases of play where a better team could have done more damage that they kind of get snuffed out because they, you know, fumble the ball or make a bad decision, that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, on, on a relative waiting, you know, from, again, we always talk about this idea of optimization. Uh, probably the biggest risk that we face in these kind of games is just one of those games where they bunker and you can't score. Right. And, and somehow they get a set piece and all of a sudden it's a one, one game or, you know, God help us. We lose a one nil in that kind of game, you know, where we shoot 25 times and don't score, you know, you get those kind of games. And I think on balance more in that kind of role is very valuable probably in helping um, create chances and be able to break down bunkered sides because of his range of passing, because of his vision, because he can do those kind of, um, you know, really proactive defensive actions where he recaptures the ball and catches the other side in transition uh, because he's he's good at reading the game. Um, and, you know, the athletic le- uh, level of the opponent isn't enough to really hurt where the deficiencies come in. Uh, so, yeah, and it's fun to watch. I mean, I, I actually, I'm biased. Like, I, I just my personal bias, not even an analytical thing, but I just like watching guys like him be able to pass the way he does. I mean, I, I just find that, um, a more appealing form of, of the game. Uh, so yeah, I, b- big fan of watching him. I'm not comparing myself to him, but I do like watching <laughs> play, player, players who were, who were previously a little more attacking uh, fall back deeper as they get older in age, as I am doing currently in my uh, 27, as I reach 27 into my 28s. I should be going into my peak but I'm regressing back to the center defensive <laughs> midfield role when I'm a bit more comfortable. So might be that uh, no, Brunello you're uh, drinking. You're hitting the sauce too much. And uh... well, that's it. Marco is actually asking in the comments what I'm asking. It is a Cote de Rosaline. It's uh, from Antibes and it's vintage 2020. It was three euro and twenty cents, I think. Brilliant. Uh, down at the Brilliant. shop. So uh, uh, yeah, it's, no, no, it's not no one prawn, of the expensive. No prawn sandwiches on the huddle breakdown. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Keeping it real. Keeping it real. Um, so look, there's there's two more things that I want to talk uh, talk about in this four one game just before we move on, um, because there is a lot to talk about. Uh, the first one, really quickly, Stephen Welsh uh, came in at centre back. Alan, I'm throwing this to you in particular because I know you are a Cameron Carter Vickers fan. Um, after being a Matt O'Reilly fan. Stephen Welsh <laughs> did quite a lot of what Cameron Carter-Vickers does uh, in terms of his progressing the ball last night. I noticed there's very there's starting to be a few similarities in the way that he carries the ball into midfield before releasing. Is that purposeful? It, it, it is. I think yeah, you know, Celtic gave them a, a different problem to solve because, you know, Ross County, I mean, listen, I, I thought they were quite impressive in some respects. I mean, you certainly saw what you did see is a, 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 about 100% more effort. And just they, they were trying to get close to Celtic as best they could. They were trying to make contact whenever Celtic got the ball as much as they possibly could. 
and um, you know they were tr- they were trying their best to, to to make it as difficult as they can. Listen, a team of Ross County size, what are you going to do to to combat Celta? Right, you're going to be as compact as you as you can be. You're going to leave as few spaces as you can be. You're going to maximise any. You're going to waste time. You're going to not give the ball back when it goes out of play. You're going to slow things down. You're going to frustrate. You're going to give away niggly fouls. Whenever you get a chance, you're going to launch the ball into the box, right? And that's exactly what they did. And, and it, you know, no harm to them. That's because it makes perfect sense. It's a perfectly sensible way for a team with their, um, you know, resources to to deploy against Celtic. Absolutely. Um, and you know, the goal was like a classic Sunday league goal. You know, just like launching a, 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 a huge ball into the mixer. And uh, the the big six foot five striker who, in in all other respects, can't play football, just needs to get ahead on it, and which isn't a skill that takes a lot of money to, uh, to 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 uh, you know to buy. Stephen, so Stephen Welsh, I don't think it helped in that regard. I mean, he was losing headers, you know, to to White, the same as um, even I think even Jens lost. Uh, actually, Jens didn't lose any, but well, for some reason, you know, obviously White attached himself to Welsh, and then Starfelt, who he's got previous for bullying around. And did so again successfully for the goal. So, you know, White's got uh, Welsh has got some of the same weaknesses as Starfelt in terms of his aerial abilities. Is in Scotland against big, big strikers in aerial battles, he's not he's not particularly effective. Um, now, that isn't the end of the world because again, you know, okay, so you lose that first contact, then you've got someone like Carter Vickers who's very good in terms of anticipation you've got quick fullbacks around you to cover so um it's not the end of the world but it will lead to some issues in games as james said where you can lose i mean we have both goals Celtic have conceded this season have been headers uh in the in the box from set plays both against ross county so you know you, you, i think i think Ange almost accepts that weakness and welsh as i say doesn't really help in that regard uh we've talked about in the past welsh's passing being being good it was it was decent Again, yesterday, sort of seven pack passes was just actually a couple less than Burnaby, who, who surprised me with his you know, progressive passing. Um, and and but the thing that stood out, as you said, was his carrying the ball, which he did. Um, he did uh, sort of uh, ten times actually, uh, either I, I took, taking it past people or just uh, you know making yards. So that, that was a quite that's a quite a phenomenal number of um, number of. Uh, carries for a, a defensive player, but again, you know, it's decision making. The, the centre backs are clearly being told because if we've seen in different games. I don't think it's, it's particularly a Stephen Welsh thing. I think it's a, the centre backs are told if if the, if the space in front of you take the space uh, to cause disruption, cause the other team to make a decision. Do they go and close you down and then leave a more talented footballer? In which case, you give the ball to them. Or, or do they do they all back off? In which case, you take the space and push everyone up the pitch. And I don't think it's Welsh that's been told to do that. Jens did it in one game. Carter Vickers did it in one game. Starfelt's been known to do it, and in other games they've not done it. So it's a case of it's a decision. It's decision making, uh, and they have the authority to and the mandate to make that decision if they think it's the best thing for the team. Yeah, and I think um, we're going to see more goals from our centre backs this year. Carl Starfelt already has two. Amazingly. Uh, his second one was actually an absolutely thunderous header. Brilliant to see him actually scoring a good header uh, because previously <laughs> well, we've, been, we've seen him sort of faff at a few things, but that was a good goal. I, I think we're actually, if um, if you played Aaron Moy at centre-back in a game, you know, maybe against, let's say, Dundee United, um, the amount of times that Celtic centre-backs have found themselves in the box and just kind of got a nosebleed in the same way that you would expect, 
center back I'd love to see I don't know if you you don't have the XG for them do you the center backs or oh, in total in the, in the, no just in the previous games in the last oh in that games. game in, in, in that game so um so Welsh was uh, point well his total scoring contribution was 0. 0.08 so that's expected goals and assists Jens was zero Starfelt was zero, so they didn't actually, you know, create anything as such. But it's mm-hmm. not the point. It's it's about creating um, uncertainty in the opposition and forcing them to leave their sort of compact shape. Really, yeah, that's really that's really the main benefit of it. Mm-hmm. Just to finish off in this game, then you mentioned him already in that uh, in that chat with um, Stephen Welsh, and that's Alexandro Burnaby who came in as the starter and left back and. Okay, he did some good things. He did some bad things. It was his first start for Celtic. Um, I think he was a bit wasteful at times in the positions that you know he's. At, we, we we spoke about maybe his normal every like everyday passing uh, might have been a bit loose, but and it was it was. But I, I felt his final product, James, was a bit uh, hit or miss last night. Um, and look, granted, we're going to give him the benefit of the doubt here that it is it was his first real test as the the starting Celtic left back, but. Good or bad, how would you weigh it? Is it more good than bad that he did in, against Ross County? Yeah, I, I think he basically uh, looked like what his profile suggested he was um, when when we talked about him when he was signed, meaning that he's got some developing to do, uh, probably would take him some time to uh, get comfortable with you know our patterns of play, you know, because it seems to be fairly structured as far as uh, the movement and um, the significant off the ball movement, who's going to be where and build up and that kind of thing. And it just takes a little while for a brain to uh, get that to be intuitive. And, you know, that's, he's, he's a fairly aggressive player. Saw his athleticism. I think, I think that's clear. He's, he's got the, um, the pace that's, you know, kind of like what we talked about more of a European level, uh, pace that he, you know, he, he has some speed to burn, so to speak. Um, and when he gets into the final third, he has the ability to create chances. He has the ability. Um, it's about consistency. And some, of, to your point, some of his deliveries I thought were excellent. Um, so he's really got that ability. It's a question of getting consistency. And you know, um, so all the raw materials appear to be there. Um, it's a matter of him growing into the role, and I think that's, you know. Um, Given his age and uh, his 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 pedigree, where he's coming from, I think it's only natural that that's going to take some time. You know, it's not like we're buying a fairly polished player from PSG, you know, like an Edouard or somebody like that. He's where he was coming from. There's some more development to be done. Um, so I, you know, I I found it encouraging, um, and you know, because you've got Greg Taylor there for the most part, he can take his time and and ramping up and hopefully. You know, later this season and next season, more so, he'll, uh, you know, maybe maybe end up being the the starter and and realizing some of that athleticism. Might even be better than Liam Scales. Who knows? No, <laughs> so, that's so, impossible. So, and so, uh, just, I mean, sorry to, to cut across. Just, I mean, some stats from him that actually surprised me because when I was watching the game, I, I you know, I, I allowed my bias to be colored by the fact that he just gives the bay, the ball away sometimes. We just think. It's a five-yard pass, man. All you have to do is roll it five yards, and it's so frustrating. But if, but again, this is why we, I do what I do because you, that that color that completely colors your judgment, and you miss all the other stuff. Nobody won more challenges than him. Nobody won 
recovered the ball more in terms of the, the new stat that I'm collecting, pack recovery. So when you recover the ball and, and you essentially you therefore put a lot of the opposition out, out of um, out of the game, nobody won the ball back in the defensive third more. Uh, he had nobody won possession back overall more, and he's got the um, the highest uh, the highest packing score in the team, and, and had the most pack passes at, at nine. So the, you know it, it's a bit like a Bada. He does a lot of brilliant things, and then he then there's some absolute rubbish in there. They just think, what are you doing? That wasn't difficult. Why did you do that? And he's young. They're both young, and I think they're both going to. Um, you know, take a bit of time to settle. But as James says, I think all the raw materials are there. What I particularly like is he pops up in really interesting positions on the field. Uh, suddenly he's like, he's an inside left forward and he's pressing. And it's a good decision because he causes chaos. Um, you know, he supports, his support plays excellent. His speed, uh, he's one again, one of these that's got a low center of gravity. And it seems like he's got good balance. And I love good balance in a player. Um so I think there's a and, and his aggression is just his innate aggression and, and and willingness to win win the ball back. And if you've got aggression, you've got speed, and you've got good balance, you're you're going to be a very effective at, at, at pressing. You're going to be very effective at counter pressing. You're going to be very effective in the challenge. So there's a lot of rough edges there, but um, I think there's a lot of raw materials that are really encouraging as well. Yeah, look, he's a, he's an Argentine defender. I'd send him to the doctor if he didn't have any aggression. It's just <laughs> innately built into them. Um, but one, I was actually just going to one final point on him. I was I was going to ask about his positioning because he did pop up in very unusual positions. Like there was one point where he was practically playing right wing for a while, just when Celtic were attacking. Is that something that Ange is going to like or dislike? Because I couldn't tell whether that was on purpose or if he's just getting used to the system. It's it's in his is is if you've watched anything of him and I've only watched like YouTube highlights that was the first thing that I noticed about him. So if if you didn't if you didn't you know know that when you were buying him then you weren't paying attention. So I suspect he knows that's part of his game and I suspect he'll encourage it. Rolson Rolson you know pops up all over the place as well last night. He oh by the way Rolson just a quick one on him. He's he's lost some kilos right and he was he was demonstrably quicker over the ground because of it. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, we, yeah, and I, we, you know, we, we've we've sorry, talked about the yeah, we've talked about the the fluidity of of how we're playing. That's a little bit uh, different this season with all of the overloads and the interchanging, and you know, um, uh, so I, I actually wouldn't be surprised if that's um, not only coordinated, meaning that they knew what he was getting, but that's part of the quote unquote plan, meaning that getting players that fit into this more dynamic playing style, but you also saw, and I, I, I noticed this when I looked at him um, in some of his uh, experience in Argentina is, uh, you know, positionally he can not have the instinct instincts to cover. I mean, he got caught out a couple of times, long, you know, balls over the head and, and that becomes an issue when you're playing this more fluid, uh, you know, dynamic style. So again, it's, you know, again, with the 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 recent off the pitch uh, issue as well, he's got some maturing to do. He's got some you know some stuff to do in between the ears, um, in in you know figuring some of this stuff out. And again, he's twenty. I think he's twenty one. That's not all that unusual. Um, so, you know, it, it it's it, it'll it'll um, get better. I think uh, that's the optimistic view. Um, and it's so early. I mean, he's only in you know, three months, basically. 
Um, so there's a lot to learn. Yeah. If you were comparing it to drivers, you know, Greg Taylor is probably the, you know, the 40 year old husband of three with two kids who is a experienced, calm, collective, does everything correct, hands at two, 10 and two. And then Bernabe is the 21 year old who just got his license and has a muffler on the back of his exhaust. You know, it just depends. Depends what kind of journey you're looking for when you're picking the two of them for left back. And don't think I didn't know you said 40 something there and not 50 something. I know who's getting targeted here. <laughs> I don't Let's not go I, there. I've, 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 <laughs> there's no ages discussed on this podcast. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> All right, let's let's move on real quickly to the derby match. Um, first derby of the season, Celtic going to it in absolutely flying form. Probably the first derby in I don't know how long the Celtic have been able to entirely change their team by Callum McGregor playing in midfield um, beforehand, but still going going in with absolute like sheer confidence that uh, they can get the job done. I remember a derby match last year. Alan, where you were like almost 95% certain that Celtic were going to win it. Um, is your confidence in the same level? Like there, for me, look, as, 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 <laughs> as all right as Rangers results have been this season, like they have been fine. I've watched a couple of games. They're, they're, they're not a nice team to watch. They're like, I, I, I just, I'm not convinced by them at all. No, but you, what you're going to see is, is again a contrast. So you know, Ange is a system manager. He, he's got a system the way he wants to play, and he and, he'll, and he finds the resources to, to make that and optimize it. Okay, whereas um, Van Bronckhurst, he will he will adapt to the opposition, and uh, we saw what worked for them last season in the Scottish Cup semi final and in the one one game. You know, and they've done it as well. The blueprint is, you know, especially, well, actually home and away performances in Europe uh, where they will try and press as high as they can and as aggressively as they can. Um, what what they will believe is that they have physical superiority over Celtic, that they can out-muscle. They'll turn, try and turn the game into an arm wrestle. We all know in Scotland that, you know, the game on the weekend will be about, oh, the referee's doing great because he's letting the game flow. As in, there's going to be a lot of challenges going in, a lot of contact that just let, gets let go. Um, that will be disruptive. They'll slow the game down wherever possible and they'll optimise, try and optimise on set 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 plays. That, that's going to be the game plan. And they've got a good squad of players to um, to play play in that way. And it is, it is a sensible way to play against this, um, this Celtic team because, you know, you know, we we haven't got the best passers of the ball out from the back. We have got a relatively um, small team physically. We haven't got a, a team of bruisers, and they're particularly you know muscly. So we we just have to do plan A as well as we can, uh, and and play through play through that press, play through the the challenges, um, you know, uh, and be be brave. Um, is, is, the, the evidence is that we're we're in fine form, and and the Celtic will go into it believing that they can play through it. I don't. I think they'll know what to expect in that regard. Um, I'm not expecting any great surprises in lineup or what have you. It will be the message will be we we play the way we play and we do it as well as we can. Transfer deadline day is going to impact it as well potentially because it looks like uh, Glenn Kamara could be out out the door to Nice depending on whether Nice can can get another bid in in, in time to. To get that transfer over the line, so I look. I think Glenn Kamara is a decent enough player who has had good uh, 
sort of a good impact. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Against Celtic in, in a certain number of games. James, what are you expecting from the other side in this game? How are they going to, um, as Alan says, disrupt the Celtic players bar? The let's by the defensive side of things, how are they going to damage Celtic if they can? Yeah, so I think it'll be interesting because I, I, I agree with we, you know, Alan adeptly uh highlighted at the time and then just uh revisited some of the things that they did to make the uh the, the, the last couple of games last season far more um difficult for for Celtic, and some of that walked out the door, <laughs> uh, in Bassey in Aribo. So that the level of uh, athleticism that they brought to some of the man marking that they were doing, some of the pressing, um, you know, that's not easy to replace. And, you know, Barisic is not Bassey at left back relative to, or even at center back, Sands isn't um, Bassey as, as a center back trying to mark, man mark like he had done on uh, Rogic or if they were going to do it against O'Reilly or, right? So they're, they're, how much... Um, a Lawrence translates versus an Aribo in that kind of pressing role. Uh, to your point, I think Camara would be closer if he were around and played. So I think selection is going to be interesting how they go about doing it. Are they actually going to follow the same kind of script with players who maybe aren't quite as athletic uh, from a speed perspective in particular? Um, I, I, I think, um, you know, I, I think that they're probably – um, a little weaker overall from where they were at the end of last season would be kind of my assessment. Um, and, and not to say that they, you know, again, single game variance, that kind of thing. The big wild card for me is Tillman. I, I, I've been impressed with him. Um, he seems to have um, the quality to, you know, have those kind of magic moments. Um, and in these kind of big games, you know, uh, th- those are the things that can be the difference between a draw and a, a loss or, you know, uh, potentially getting um, three points. So, you know, I, I, the other thing is that I think that they um, uh, I think the move, if they're going to continue to play Sands at, at center back, I know him a little bit um, just because of him being American and, and playing for the national team and just following a, a little bit in the MLS. You know, he's played a lot in, in midfield as well. And so he's got that 
on the ball skill that's a positive in a sense playing as a ball cent- a ball playing center back but he's also positionally you can get caught out at times and you know we saw that with the controversial non-call um you know where he could have had a, a straight red or a second yellow so he you know with him and goldson i think we do have the ability to create real chance uh real headaches for them and chances um with some of the running in behind that you would expect Kyogo to make, and maybe Maeda was maybe Abada again. Selection is going to be interesting on our side. Uh, so that would be another area. Now that's somewhat muted because McLaughlin's a lot better coming off the line than uh, McGregor would be, and it looks like he's been anchored as the number one. Not that he's you know elite in that sweeping role, but you know it's hard to get much worse than McGregor was at 40 years old in that role. So, um, but yeah, I, I think that's a real positive for us in. in our ability to maybe create some of those chances as they press higher, as they play more of a high line, I think we can, you know, counter um, and, and, and potentially create some real headaches. It's almost like we've scripted the show because the Kyogo movement in behind was actually my next protocol on this, but um, El Bronco is probably not going to play in this game. Thank God El Bronco is not going to play. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's the player that has done most damage. He's the player that's done most damage to Celtic over the last couple of years. But um, it'll be interesting to see what, how Kolak uh, gets on because he has started to uh, fire a little bit for them up front. So we'll, we'll wait and see what they do. But what about Celtic here, Alan? I saw, I think you liked the video. I, I, I certainly watched it on on Twitter was the thread about how Kyogo is currently exploiting the new interpretation mm. of the offside trap. Is that something that we can expect to see here, given how high Rangers actually do play? Yeah, we can expect to see lots of offside decisions, I suspect. <laughs> <laughs> I was just having a little chuckle to myself when James was talking about the players that have walked out the door, and I thought, you know, the most influential one in terms of the Scottish Cup semi-final that's walked out the door is Bobby Madden. <laughs> because I, I, that's the only game. But, that is the only. That's uh, the only game. Is the only game that I, I've actually felt moved to ask the Yorkshire Whistler to say, "Listen, and this is a big ask, right? Because this is your time, right? But can you just watch the whole match? Just, just tell me what you think. Just, I'm not going to just watch the match and just, if you want, just do a little report. Just tell me what you think." I mean, he was flabbergasted, and and this guy, he always tries to see it from the referee's perspective. And he was flabbergasted by Madden's performance in that Scottish Cup semi-final. Absolutely flabbergasted. Listen, the Sands yeah. challenge that uh, James James referenced there, like that 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 has me further convinced that there's no conspiracy because there's, that's too obvious. It's just the referees are just so fucking bad. Like, it's just well, well, no, I mean, I, it's I mean, incredible I, how bad they're. Yeah, but it, but it, it would be if we're not for the fact that had he sent him off, he would have been banned for this game. Right, and it's an it's an inexplicable, and I mean that literally, it's inexplicable. And therefore, what is the only rational explanation? Otherwise, because it's not possible that you missed it. It's not possible to misinterpret it, because it's it's so it was so obvious. But anyway, listen. In terms of the in terms of coming back to uh, the, the question that you asked, so just one more thing on them before I come back to Kyogo is that, and this is a really old school kind of opinion I'm going to give you here, which is that one thing I do think holds true is that. If you've never played this game before, um, it's a bit of a shock to the system. And, and and they're going to have a stack of new players playing in this game. They've never played at Celtic Park, never played in this game before. And I'm not saying that's a game changer, but it's certainly a factor. Um, whereas I, I suspect all of the Celtic first starting 11 
have have, have been blooded in, in this fiction in that regard. So I think that's that's something else to bear in, to bear in mind. Lawrence in particular can be very rash, so watch out for that. He he can be really really feisty. So if he gets drawn into into anything, then that's one to, one to look out for. I think Nick Walsh in general is a reasonably one of the better referees actually. So I'm, I'm kind of hopeful we'll get we'll get a, a, a fair crack at it. But yeah, coming back to Kyogo, yeah, I mean it was really highlighted in the Dundee United game the way that he's exploiting the the sort of first phase, second phase rules laws, sorry, around offside to to really cause confusion because you know you you don't want to disrupt your defensive line. You know that he's there. And then you know that he's so quick and so nimble that um, if 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 there is a second phase, you're probably not going to get back to catch him. So what do you do? Do you drop back? Do you you know do you disrupt that line and therefore create even more space and different angles? It's a real conundrum, um, and it's something which you know he's he does very intelligently because it's a it's it's a question of timing. You know it's it's not it's it's pretty high end to time your movement in that with that precision but also to run <laughs> and to make your run to the right place as well to not to not lose the advantage that you've gained by having that a couple of yards ahead of the the defenders so um yeah absolutely brilliant and and, and just again another example of of uh, an intelligent footballer but again the team are playing effectively because the players are now used to what's going on. They understand the patterns and they know what's they know. It's not all. It's not always going to be perfect. We saw last night balls coming to the box. Jakimak is falling over. Burnaby giving passes to people that run off in the other direction. That you're going to get that against Dundee United. A lot of it worked perfectly. You know, the, the first time passing, very aggressive passing. The movement was red, and people people uh, responded accordingly. Um, but we're going to see more of that cohesion, um, you know, uh, as as the um, as the season goes on. I loved the interview that Postacoglu gave with the Open Open Goal podcast, and he, and then what I thought was very revealing was when he talked about that he he felt that maybe in the first five weeks of the season where they've only had one game a week, he's felt that they've maybe left they've left probably too much on the training ground, and that maybe some of the performances on a Saturday. Have been a little bit lacking in energy, such as the intensity of the training. But he said, you know, the reason that we've done that is to be ready for the Champions League games. So I think we're going to see, um, and we saw it against Dundee United, because I think we played really well in all the league games. And if you look at the underlying data, there was a huge level of consistency and there was a huge level of variance removal in terms of the difference between relative XGs. And, and, and we did more than enough to win every game. I think we're going to go up a notch again because I think you know the the, the focus will be on the Saturday now, not the not the, the the training during the week as we move into this this rotation of Champions League, League, Champions League. So finally, your favorite part of the show is back, and that's the predictions <laughs> side of things. Are so, uh, they going to win? I'll just I want to ask for a scoreline. Are they going to win this? I you know I think uh, we should. Uh, I'm confident. Um, I wouldn't say we need to, but I, you know, I, the next week I think is going to be really important because all the things that Alan has said, I agree with. Um, but the opposition that we've faced so far doesn't really have any of the ammunition to be able to cause us problems in the areas that we are kind of inherently vulnerable. Um, so I, I want to see what happens Saturday, um, us playing out from the back. That's a key thing, meaning that, you know, kind of in that mid mid block where the man marking 
that that I think they're probably a notch lower than they had been last season. I think they're high press if they commit to it. Um, Colac's an, an upgrade, uh, particularly on effort relative to uh, Morelos. Um, and they do have, you know, let, let, again, let's not pretend that they have not been successful in Europe comp- competing at this level. So um, they've got an ability to cause real problems for teams. And if we're not on our game in building up from the back, and we haven't really done a whole lot to address that issue, um, that's where I would have concern mistakes, you know, misplaced pass, like Alan said, that they're going to be far better equipped to um, cause us problems in, the, in that regard. Uh, so that, that's really what I want to see. I'm, I'm confident, I mean, that I, I think we're going to give them problems big time on, on, on in attack. And so I think we're going to be able to score. Mike, what I really want to see is if we're able to prevent them from causing us enough problems that it's, you know, like a 3-2 kind of win, uh, which would be more nerve-wracking than if it's a more controlled performance. Alan? Yep, that's all fair. Um, so I think if, if they do lose Kamara, and Kamara doesn't seem to be one that, Van Bronckhorst seemed to favour anyway, oddly, although he was very effective in Europe as a sort of advanced, more advanced player leading that press. And Aribo was excellent at that. Both of them, I thought, were excellent off off the ball and, and very good, you know, nice tidy passers and good at progressing the ball as well. Not so much a threat in the final third, maybe, but um, very good at breaking up play and, 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 and linking play. So I think they'll both be huge losses in terms of playing the way that I described. I don't think um, even Tillman or, or certainly not Lawrence or a patch on on those two in terms of playing in that way, and if they're if they're going to play Jack and Lundstrom, then you, you'd like to think they'll they'll be um, they'll have very uncomfortable afternoons chasing chasing back a lot. I mean, you know, if Lundstrom's refereed properly, then we should be okay with with him in that sense. Um, you know, and, and it's really going to come down to you know giving away daft daft free kicks, free kicks out wide, allowing Barisic and Taverni, who've both got excellent delivery to get balls into the box is going to be is going to be the main danger, I would say. Um, so I, I'm I'm very I'm very hopeful. I've got great faith that the team is in a groove that is only going to improve. It, it will get disrupted. It won't be like it was on Saturday or anything like. It will be a, a more of a grind. We will have to dig in. But um, one of the things, again, a little insight that I thought was fascinating from Postacoglu in the podcast that I mentioned earlier was he said that, I think they asked him the question about, you know, when you're on the touchline, you don't you don't say anything, you don't seem to do anything. And he goes, yeah, he goes, you know, I'm not going to talk to the fourth official. It's not going to change anything. It's, it's, it's pointless. All, that, all it's going to do is distract me from concentrating on the game and helping the players if I need to help them. So... And he said, you know, as a team, we're not going to get involved in with the opposition. Don't get involved with the referee. Don't get frustrated at things because it just it just distracts from your concentration and from the job you've got to do. If you've got a team that is wanting to get the re- every restart done quickly and not just for the sake of it, because there's already a pattern to what that restart is going to look like, who's going to run where, etc., then, you, then you're not going to start arguing with the referee or getting involved with one of the opposition and so forth because you're just going to reduce your effectiveness in that regard. And we seem to be a really disciplined in that in that sort of uh, element of it. And I think that's going to be really important, obviously, in a derby where there's more likelihood that you're going to get drawn into you know niggly niggly confrontations and you know referees and all this sort of nonsense. So 
I think if Celtic keep their discipline, which I think they will, and they keep their focus, I just think they'll eventually wear they wear them down. And I think the you know the the squad depth now is such that you're bringing on five equal subs to what's going to go off is a game changer because I think they're quite exposed now in their squad depth. Uh, in comparison, I don't think they've got game changers particularly to bring on from the bench, and so it may take a while. Like I said on Saturday when it was 9-0, be patient, because <laughs> I thought you know, they, they, they've picked a team to hunker in, so that was quite funny. But So I'll say the same thing. It might take it might take 75, 80 minutes to win the game, but I think we'll get there. Yeah, there's loads of interesting things in that that I'd love to expand on, but we're 50 minutes into the podcast, so I won't. What I will say is that I'm at least hopeful that Celtic aren't bringing on near Beaton to finish out the game, so we <laughs> will have... Uh, a bit more of a cam head in Iron Moy than near Beaton, no disrespect to the man, but he wasn't exactly the coolest of cucumbers when it came to the pressure pot of a a, a derby match against Rangers. Um, and I, I think the point you made about the, the general experience in this game is going to be an important one. I remember speaking to uh, Darren O'Dea about the game and he remembers playing in ones and he said, you can't even hear your, your teammates at times, so you're basically playing off pure instinct. If the Celtic team are playing off more instinct than... Uh, the Rangers team, I think the almost muscle memory of Celtics movements and triggers, that, that will be absolutely spot on for this game. Uh, so just before we finish up, uh, we've been hoping and praying for a, a centre defensive midfielder. And it seems like on, on deadline day, Celtic are going to get it. And that is Oliver Al- Albilgaard, who's going to come in from uh, Ruben Kazan. It was revealed today uh, by Fabrizio Romano, who else, uh, that this transfer was going to happen and it seems like he's basically, I think he's in London at the minute on his way to, to do his medical and it will be a signing that Celtic are going to make. It just really hasn't been um, reported what the fee and what the the year of the contract will be, but we'll find that out in the next couple of hours. I'm sure we will, but he is six foot four. He's coming in as a, a defensive midfielder and I've I've read a couple of bits on him and one thing that was put to me about it or not put to me, but put to the audience, was that he was putting up uh, sort of Vinicius Souza-type style of plays, type number, type sort of demographic and what type of player we're getting here. So um, did either of you have a look at him before the show to see what kind of player we're getting here? I did. But Alan, no, no, go, okay. please. Who go did their it. homework? Come on, who did their homework? Right, I did a little, I did a little um, bit, but I know James, James, James will have done more, I can guarantee. <laughs> yeah, so I, I did my old benchmarking uh, exercise that I do, and um, so I think that the the comparison with the say, say the name Vinicius, is that what his name? Um, Vinicius Souza, yeah, Vinicius, Vinicius Souza, yeah. that's right, Souza, yeah, yeah. Souza. Um, I, I think that he's he's in that neighborhood. Um, now, uh, I'll, I'll be consistent, meaning that this is not my preference, right? I did, I said that when there was a rumor of Sousa, I think this guy's probably a notch down athletically from Sousa, uh, which you might expect given the profiles, uh, the ages and where they're playing and that kind of thing. Um, he looks to be a, an elite type of aggressor in that position, meaning that his ability to win the ball back and intercept, he seems to be very smart and aggressive positionally. Uh, So, you know, this is like pouring gasoline on a fire that's already burning relative to us against, you know, uh, 
10 out of 11 domestic opposition. Meaning that if you plop him in the middle of midfield, I could see a scenario where the vast majority of the teams that we play domestically will have almost no chance getting out because he's that good at kind of patrolling that area. Um, and I don't think he has high end athleticism or pace or even like mid tier. He's, he, you know, he, he's not, um, at what you might expect, like at six, four in a defensive midfielder, the likelihood of him having high end speed just generally is not going to be, you know, that, that common, um, particularly his age and where he's been playing. So if, if you think about his positives, I would say that's his big positive, meaning that he's going to allow us to just continue the pressure in the attacking half. And it's going to be unrelenting. Um, he's good in the air. Again, not that surprising given his size. Um, it's not always the case when you're taller, but he seems, seems to do a good job in the air. That'll help on set pieces. That'll help, you know, uh, at, against higher level opposition. I'd say the deficiencies are probably he's he's very left footed, it appears. And he's probably maybe I'll call it mediocre on the ball from a passing perspective. You know, he, he's not going to be Moy playing in that deep role. So he's more in the Scott Brown tradition in that role, which again, some people prefer and like, that's fine. Um, I, I, I worry that he's not the type of player that's going to improve our ability to build out from the back. I mean, and I think one of the things that McGregor does in that role is the movement on the ball skills to be able to help us get the ball out against that higher level of pressing. I'm concerned he may not be that. Actually, when I look at him, immediately I go to, uh, actually, he should be our left-sided center back because he's got midfielder skills on the ball. He's very left-footed. He's very good defensively. Um, He's good aerially. Uh, so actually I think he profiles in that regard really well. I doubt that's where, how we're recruiting him or why, um, I just worry about his range of passing and his, his, uh, athleticism relative to, again, at the champions league level or at the late stage Europa league level, whether or not he's that central deep lying midfielder, that's going to be able to help us in those, uh, facets of play. Maybe his defensive work is an ability to put the pressure on, uh, in the attacking half is going to over, you know, weld that and, and be enough to compensate for it. Um, but it, it, it'll be interesting to find out how that kind of plays out. And the other thing is just position, like where I, I think the other, and I, I've been what probably significantly outside of consensus on this is I, I don't like McGregor as an innate and Angus system at the European level. I, I think there's too many deficiencies there at this point. Um, and the idea that he's not going to play, I think, is probably silly. So it's, uh, you know, he's probably going to play. And it's either we're going to switch to, to two sitting midfielders with McGregor, two left-footed, you know, uh, sitting midfielders with McGregor, or, or McGregor's going to be an eight. And I, you know, that's not my – and then you're sitting either O'Reilly or Hitate. Um So it'll be interesting to see how all this shakes out. Final word to you, Alan. Yeah, and I was just thinking, God, I hope we don't turn him into a centre back. <laughs> yeah. Um, listen, so, so I've I've not had a chance to. I've relied on a couple of people on Twitter. I'll be honest to to, to profile him. What it seemed to me was 
you know, he's not going to give you a lot in terms of attacking threat particularly, but um, a couple of things that stood out. One of his is his aerial ability. The other is um, he actually can take the ball forward quite well. He's, he's actually, his ball progression, the ball at feet is, is, is pretty strong, uh, in, certainly in the Russian league. So that's an interesting facet. And again, it just, it's just a way of when you're sitting in front of a deep block, if you've got a six foot four guy who's comfortable charging forward with the ball, um, that's quite a nice, quite a nice little uh, variation that you can bring uh, to the game. Um, I think it does, for me anyway, it points to a couple of things. One is that it's more likely we're going to play a slightly a slightly tweaked system, especially in Europe, where it will be look more like a four two three one than the current four three three. And you know you've got then got McGregor and Moy that would both be very comfortable and effective sitting in, in beside somebody of his profile. Clearly, this I don't see much future for James McCarthy. That probably goes without saying, given if, if you know he's likely to sign. So for, that's a, another another impact of of, uh, of this. There's a guy I just only started recently following, and I'm so sorry I can't find the tweet, and I can't remember the guy's name. I've only recently followed him. Uh, but he's a kind of a journalist, or he's a Russian, he's an expert on Russian football. Um, the, the the tweet that I remember from him was to say, Celtic fans, you know. Lot of skepticism around when you signed Starfell and Haksabanovic, even which and I'm going to find his tweet and I'm going to probe him on that and see if he can tell me why. It's very obvious to me why he'd be skeptical about Starfell having watched him for a year. Uh, but he said, and this is, this is a this guy who obviously clearly knows Ruben Kazan out, inside out. But he said, um, this 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 fellow here, he said he's, he's Champions League level. So that was that was take that for what it's worth. This guy's an expert in Russian football. I can't remember his name. When I find it, I'll retweet it, and people who follow me can can pick up on it. Um, so that, I thought that was encouraging. It's just a little snippet, um, etc. So I, I don't know. I'll, 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 I'll honestly tell you, I'd never heard of the guy until two days ago. Never seen him play. Um, but again, uh, we seem to be um, subjugating poor little Ruben Kazan, who clear, you know, and, and and absolutely ripping all their best players off them. But again. In, in the in the capitalist venal venal world of professional football, it's smart from Celtic. These are dis, this is a distressed company, a distressed club. Uh, I think the two things are the same. Um, it's a distressed foot a distressed football club, um, and we're we're cherry picking uh, their best players uh, for an absolute bargain. So this is very smart, if, you know, in a very sort of nasty way from Celtic. <laughs> yeah, and I I could yeah. I could see. Um, someone uh, characterizing him as a Champions League level defensive midfielder in a in a you know kind of a traditional defensive midfield role, and I'm not saying it's not the case. It's just I could I could I have some concerns about how that translates in Ange's system. And this is the point that Alan made, meaning that if we're going to be tweaking how we're playing, I think that makes a lot more sense. Um, but if if we're going to play the way we've been playing and with the way we played last year in Europe um, with him as the, again, the single sitting defensive midfielder, I, I have some concerns about transitions and his level of pace. And, you know, he does, uh, he does dive in a lot. So, you know, that's part of the flip side. He's very good at it. Um, but there's a sliding scale of that. I mean, that as he's putting that pressure forward to try and win balls back if you don't win it back, then all of a sudden you've got your sole central defensive midfielder out of position, exposing two center backs that don't really have uh, great pace either. So um, that I'm just saying it's a concern. I'm not saying it's you know going to be an issue. It's in looking at him, I could see that being a potential issue. And I'm you know always trying to look at the balance here. Overall, he's a r- really good player. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that. 
Um, it, it's a, again, back to this question of optimization and fit. Um, so he's going to make us better. There's no question. It's just uh, how we're going to play and, and, and optimizing him. I think it'll be so, fascinating. So, sorry, just one last thing. Sorry, uh, is you know, so young, young Patrick Kasky, who's a, a fan of the Ibrox Club, but a lovely kid. And he, there, I don't think he's. A, I'm not kidding. There's not a single player on the planet that, that kid hasn't scouted. Right? He's he's just phenomenal. Uh, and he actually uh, tweeted, kind of, you know, giving it this when he when the news came that Celtic were going to sign this guy. I think he did a. He just shown a piece on the Rangers Review. It's called a publication where he's written a piece about him saying, despite generally being despite being generally well-rounded, Abelgaard's greatest strengths are progressing the ball and shuttling around the defensive third, breaking up play, a perfect combination of traits as they are scalable to the European level and work well, uh, and he say worked well in tandem with what would have been their, their midfield and so forth. So uh, again, yeah, I, I think he would be an ideal guy for, for Rangers narrow system. That, yeah. Absolutely. Like that there, I don't even think it's a question. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, again, I, let's see. I, I mean, I, you know, uh, nine hundred minutes. I always say nine hundred minutes. <laughs> let's see. Yeah, we'll wait. We'll wait and see. It's certainly the, a position in Celtic we're looking to strengthen. In so final day of the transfer window was a good time to do it. If uh, you hadn't done it before, I did a little bit of research on him earlier on today. I I looked at his Wikipedia page, and this was, I, I'd say, I'd say 15, 15 minutes, fifteen minutes after he was linked with Celtic, and uh, somebody had edited it to say that his dad fought in the Third Regiment of the Tipperary uh, Army during the War of Independence in Ireland. So, of course, the, the Irish links are there. The Irish links are there. But look, we'll wait and see. Uh, that's Oliver Abelgard, who's joining from Ruben Kazan. Should be announced by the club in the next couple of hours before the transfer window shuts. It shuts really tightly. Slam shut. Sla- it, yeah, doesn't, slam it doesn't shut. shut. It slams. And yeah, every, it, it, it only that. slams. It only <laughs> slams. Um, but unfortunately, our window on the huddle breakdown is going to slam now because that's all we have time for on this uh, week's show. If you want to support the podcast, there is a link in the description for the One Football app, which you can download and you can follow along with transfer news until the end of the window when that slams shut at uh, midnight tonight. Or you can get the uh, scores and the predictions and the news, everything you want uh, from Celtic in the One Football app. But make sure to use the link in the description below. Don't go straight to the app store. Um, Alan, you have your hand up. I do, I do. One last thing, one last thing, and thank you to Rob, Rob, uh, Rob McEwen in the comments who said, um, "I suppose Starfelt and him will have a good understanding already." That's an absolutely brilliant point I meant to make, which is that he's played at least thirty, maybe more games, um, Starfelt with um, Abdelgard. And if you think about it, if you think about Starfelt's weaknesses and Abdelgard's strengths, that's a pretty smart combination, actually, as well. So just yeah. throw that out there. If if anybody is familiar with FIFA Ultimate Team, uh, him and Abelgard and Haksabanovic would have about you know a seventy percent uh, link because they played for the same club and and they uh, have that connection. No idea what you're talking uh, about. So no, exactly. <laughs> younger younger listeners, if there are any listener younger listeners of the podcast, they will understand. I'm, I'm a championship manager boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and finally, as well, before we finish up, we're also this uh, this year we're sponsored by footballprizes.co.uk. Uh, you might have seen us tweeting out a few prizes over the last couple of weeks. This week's prize is a signed Lille Abada shirt, along with other great prizes that are available on the site now. If you want to go on and get your tickets, the draw is always on Tuesday at half seven. So 
that's when the draw uh, window slams shut in terms of football prizes, uk. <laughs> so we'll share that link on our Twitter as well if you want to get be in with a chance of winning that Lila Bada shirt and some more prizes as well with footballprizes.co.uk. But that is us done on the Huddle Breakdown this week. Thanks to everyone who watched live and to everyone who is going to listen to the podcast over the the couple of days until the Derby match. And we'll be back next week, probably with a Derby and a Champions League game against Real Madrid to review. I'm not sure what day we're going to be doing it, but um, we'll need, we'll, we'll need, half, we'll need half a day, I think. To... Yeah. <laughs> we will do an emergency podcast of Celtic beat Real Madrid at home. We will do it immediately <laughs> after. So um, I think that's a, a fair enough promise to make on, on the channel. But until then, thanks again for watching. Thanks to James and Alan. Thank you. And we will chat to you next week. Good luck. Time to play the game! <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the game, and how you play it. It's all about control. And if you can take it, it's all about your debt. And if you can pay it, it's all about pay. And who's gonna make it? I am the game, you don't wanna play me I am control, no way you can shake me I am heavy debt, no way you can pay me I am the pain, and I know you can't take me Look over your shoulder, ready to run Like a Cleveland bitch from a smoking gun I am the game, and I may do So move on out, you can die like a fool Try to figure out what my mood's gonna be Come on over, sucker, why don't you ask me? Don't you forget there's a price you can pay Cause I am the game and I want to play